1: It's
2: in heaven. Welcome to 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network, the only podcast that uh, won its first game of Catan. What are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm Tim Cato, uh, and we've got Jake Fisher of um, Bleacher Report and a bunch of bunch of other places, author of the book uh, Built to Lose, and a known Catan player who uh, I kind of I kind of strategized against the other night, so. <laughs> Sorry about that.
3: Um, I do not accept your apology, but okay. uh, I don't think anyone listening cares too, too much about um, Architon squabbles.
2: Uh, no, no. you Like, it's a rule of podcasting. You got to start with some fun and easy banter. You got to share some details about your life. Again, I didn't go to podcasting in school. Nobody told me how to do this, but every podcast I've ever listened to, they've got some fun banter to start out with. It's just like, you got to do it. Like, that's how it works.
3: It's funny because exactly. my friends, my friends who are non NBA media types, and even people in the league too, will comment on the pre pod banter and say, "Get to the actual meat and potatoes already, damn it!" So, <laughs> anyway.
2: so so the three or five or seven questions I had lined up about Catan is is not where I should be going with
3: this. I mean, if you want to do a long a long analogy metaphor comparison of Catan to the NBA trade marketplace, we can do that, but
2: we'll, we'll set up another, uh, another recording call, uh, for that. No, Jake, I mean, you've, you've been doing a, a ton of NBA reporting, uh, especially around the trade deadline. Um, you've had a ton of, ton of really good accurate, uh, scoops and info and Intel drops, Intel drops. That That feels like a good word for it. Uh, But, you know, the one that most stands out uh, from a Mavericks perspective is that, you know, you were on the Toronto Christophs Porzingis trade buzz, and it did not end up being Toronto. Toronto decided to go another direction. Uh, But the Mavericks definitely offered and were talking to Toronto about that. Maybe more importantly, that was the first indication, I think, that anybody around the league had publicly, that Porzingis was very much being shopped and very much a candidate to move on on the deadline. What did you report then and, and what were you hearing at, at the time just about KP?
3: Well, thank you. The obligatory thank you for uh the kind words about my work. Um, you know, you've been doing a good job yourself. And now we'll stop the navel gazing. Um, you know, I think if you if you recall if, if I mean that people anyone listening to this podcast will recall that I reported sometime before the deadline last year that the Knicks were or not the Knicks, excuse me, the Mavericks were quietly gauging Kristaps Przingis' trade value, and then Mark Cuban emphatically came out and denied it, and um, a similar series of events occurred with your reporting about the state of Dallas' front office, and, you know, obviously some changes happened in the Dallas front office, and then flash forward to the deadline this year, and, yeah, I mean, it was quiet. I I didn't hear it until the, the night before, I remember, it was a Wednesday, it was that Wednesday night. Um, or I don't remember exactly where, when, at what time, but I remember I was doing a Spotify green room with Mark Stein and something had come, something, a framework had started to be whispered about, about some deal with Taylor Horton Tucker going to Toronto. Um, and I remember, um, some fan blogger whoever tweeted out that like i said that taylor horton tucker is definitively going to toronto and i i I don't typically like to address the the aggregation economy that's out there but i wanted to put something out because denying that it was like definitively happening because i had also started to hear about Toronto talking about Chris Porzingis, and I was like, I don't think that they're connected. Like, I don't, I think they're probably competing things. And from my understanding, the Raptors were kind of shopping this score on Dragic first round pick offer all over the league, trying to see. Um, they ended
2: up going with a third, completely different deal. Then well,
3: there was others too. Like they yeah. were talking with Atlanta about a Danilo Gallinari situation um, I mean, obviously the Mavericks have had interest in Dragic, and he's an interest in Dallas dating back to the first deal when he got sent to Toronto and that sign and trade with Miami. Um, and from my understanding, I mean, the way the rappers like to do business is they like to kind of collect all their possibilities, throw them up on the board and, and pick one. So, um, I didn't think that the Taylor Horton Tucker thing was done by any stretch. And I knew that the Przingis, um, because a lot of people were texting about Toronto, Porzingis, Toronto, Porzingis, but um, I didn't have any of the, of the terms. I, obviously, it seemed like it was going to be directly involved with Drogic, but there was a, a big gap in Drogic's salary um, and Porzingis' salary. I mean, you can piece together the intel being that Chris Boucher is an expiring deal and um, someone that teams have been mentioning was on the trade Block, I guess. I don't, I, I mean, it's difficult. Like, I try to be responsible in the wording of shopping versus, you know, gauging interest versus talking about versus an offer versus a framework. Um, so I didn't want to put out anything too, too serious, but then Thursday Thursday morning came around and Toronto Porzingis kept coming back up. And then someone else said to me that, um, you know, the Mavericks are really trying to shop Porzingis and Tim Hardaway Jr., and I, remember back before the Levert deal went down with Cleveland that Dallas was coming up a lot in that final stretch um, for Levert and I was told that Tim Hardaway's expiring was the kind of outgoing situation there so um, that's kind of my recollection of the developments of how that was going down I I didn't hear a lick about the Washington stuff obviously everyone around the league was pretty well aware that Spencer Dinwiddie was on the block available for being moved like by all accounts, his interpersonal conflicts in the Wizards locker room were just untenable moving forward. Um, so when the deal went down, I hadn't heard of Washington or that framework at all, I'll be honest. But um, I wasn't surprised based off of that. Definitely seemed like Dallas was looking to move KP. And I mean, the Wizards were clearly off of Dinwiddie and birdtons has not performed to the level that they were hoping to pay him or that that they were hoping he would when they paid him.
2: Yeah, my understanding is Dallas was fully locked in and focused on the Toronto deal. And and when Toronto decided to go another way, that the Washington trade materialized pretty quickly. Now, like all of these deals, I'm sure they'd had some very loose talks about, hey, like, with this, what do you think of this framework? Is that something that you guys are just flat no on? Or like, is, is this something that we could revisit? This sequence of events end up you know with us not getting the deal done that that we're prioritizing you know and, and there's so so much of the the trade market kind of works like that you know it's it's all about like everybody has their ranked interest and in, like like ranked choice voting almost about you know what what they're trying to get done and and that that is why sometimes like that that is why it takes up until the deadline for a lot of these get deals to get done because one one team will be locked into one thing, and they'll be down for a second thing, but they want to see if the first thing can get done first, and and you know it just it's just kind of a waiting game and a, a see who blinks first, see what see what materializes first, and and everybody wants to hold out on their number one option, yes. uh, but their number one option is rarely another team's number one option, and so it's just about who 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 moves first. With that said, I mean, I did want to go back to Dragic real quick I think I think we got aggregated when uh I went on yeah. one of your uh your your live spaces uh just saying that you know we both felt pretty confident that Dragic would end up a maverick and I still think he might have if it hadn't been Dinwiddie coming back but once Dinwiddie came back to the Mavericks and the trade that they made for kp um when Dragic hit the open market, there was not a role for him to come play in Dallas. there was not a substantial amount of minutes that. Uh, was appealing enough for him to also kind of you know it's not just the role that he was putting as, he would have been putting aside to come to Dallas, but it's the the title aspirations because clearly you know Brooklyn was is is still seen as a as a more of a title favorite. Honestly, that that's a debate for another time. Um, but yeah. but yeah,
3: people in the NBA are definitely still talking about the Nets as a legitimate favorite type team. I mean, it's not. And the fact that, I mean, the Kyrie situation is obviously super, super wonky and, you know, living here in New York, it's very complicated with what's going on with the mayor and the whole back and forth with the team. And I mean, that's been a, it's been a circus since the beginning. Right. Um, right. But I think the, the opportunity for Droughton to be a clear cut starter for at least a significant portion of the games that he's been playing there so far and the foreseeable future until New York changes the, um, vaccine mandates here. Um, I mean, on that type of title contending situation, that yeah, I mean, you got what Kevin Durant did against the Knicks just on Sunday. Like that's something that we saw him do throughout the playoffs against the Bucs last year, right? So, um, I, I it makes sense. Obviously, then you throw in the Steve Nash connection. It, it's I wasn't surprised when I think Mark Stein first kind of put out the the Brooklyn stuff and. Um, it became pretty clear at that point that yeah that that seemed to be a pretty good landing spot for him,
2: right? Yeah, no, I I was told in you know no uncertain terms after after the Washington deal happened that Dallas was like yeah like there's mutually no interest either way like we just don't have room for him you know it, certainly there are interests it, certainly the Toronto deal was was the priority once the Washington deal happened it it just wasn't Dallas didn't view it as as a good situation for Goron to come here you know even even they, they didn't think it's you know, was in in his best interest, much less their own. So, there was there was just not really any interest on that point. Were you surprised at all that that Toronto didn't lose any leverage by the way they handled it, just sh- basically shutting down Dragic? You know, whichever whoever did the shutting down, that they had so many offers on the table, uh, despite Dragic basically not playing this year. I was a little surprised by that.
3: Yes and no. No, being that for forever. Well, yes. Being that forever, I was comparing it to the Andre Drummond situation in Cleveland last year, where no one was going to offer the Cavaliers a second round pick or anything of value being that they were just convinced that the Cavs were going to waive him and he'd be a buyout market guy. And if that was the, if that was going to be the status quo in Toronto, then I still think he would have just been bought out by the Raptors. But instead I forget when it was, but a week or so, two weeks or so, three weeks or so, whenever it was before the deadline, you know, the intel started to come up that the rappers were actually looking to add a first round pick to Drogic and go buy with him as kind of an expiring contract type situation, which is very different, right? Like if they were just trying to hold him hostage, if you will, to try to extract some type of little draft capital from a team, that's a whole lot different than saying, we're going to give you a first and Goran Drogic, um, you know, to take something off of your books or what have you. Um, You know, that's a much different dynamic. And with the San Antonio deal, I mean, sure, they gave the Spurs a first-round pick, but when you really look at the numbers, they got got back a second. I forget exactly if it was San Antonio or somebody else, but they basically only moved down 20 spots in the draft to turn someone who they weren't – isn't playing with them into – Thaddeus Young, who is a piece that could theoretically be there for this year and, and in the future. So um, it made it made sense to me. I mean, is that a big price to pay to get someone just like Thad Young, who's not going to be? I mean, it would have been a lot different to have someone like Porzingis, who, you know, injury history aside, is still what twenty five, twenty six, and twenty six, I believe, and has a lot of opportunity ahead of him to to grow with. A younger unit that Toronto is building, and the Raptors have. I mean, the intel on Toronto has been that they've been looking for a center for a while now. I mean, they were in on the, those Drummond talks last year, and um, they were kind of rumored to be the big boogeyman in the Jared Allen restricted free agency last season before Cleveland just threw him the bag and locked him up. So I thought the Prisingas outcome made more sense on paper for Toronto's outcome, but. Um, from your reporting, from Tim McMahon's reporting, it seemed like the rappers were asking for a bit more than what Dallas was willing to offer.
2: Yeah, that's that's basically my my understanding of the situation. Like I said, you know, like 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 how these trades go go out. You know, the Mavs number one priority was was not Toronto's. And so, you know, that's that's how the Washington deal came to be.
0: This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Wanna get closer to the game than ever before? you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
1: Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yurman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yurman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless, modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com.
2: Did you hear anything about, you know, Reaction around the league to the the Porzingis trade. I, I think logically, like I've I've been able to, you know, even even in the moment, I understood what Dallas was trying to do, and then you yeah. know, Dinwiddie has now been uh, even much much better than than anticipated. I just published something on the Athletic on on Tuesday. We're recording this Tuesday. You write, you write for the Athletic? Uh, famously so. Um, but yeah, I had a convo with uh, with John Hollinger, and you know, we were talking about just basically what the scenario is. You know, what the you know, what Dallas has available to it going forwards. And I, I do think they have a bit of a package if they've re-signed Brunson to to, to throw at the next disgruntled star and, and just be like, hey, maybe this isn't the most appealing offer, but maybe it's the best one available or something like that. Like they've, they've the, built themselves package? up to that. Uh, something like Brunson, Dinwiddie, Josh Green, and all the first-round picks you can offer. It's not totally dissimilar to how James Harden went to Brooklyn. Now, it's it's definitely not the, the very large star like young prospect star yeah that uh that that got hard into philly and i do not think that they're really going to be in the market for that but there, there's something to that package dinwiddie brunson especially if dinwiddie continues claim, reclaiming some value josh green has turned into at least an interesting prospect he's still very young and yeah. then they finally have picks coming available you know they they the final one they owe to new york is uh the the 2023 pick and so they're, they're very quickly coming up on 2025 to 2027 being available. Uh, I don't know. it's I not want, nothing. It's not nothing. It's, is what it's I'm not nothing.
3: To say. And I think, you know, Jalen Brunson's situation is, is probably the ultimate context to the Przingis deal as well. Um, which you kind of quickly said, you know, if they're able to bring him back, like, I don't know if that's just such a cut and dry situation. I don't want to say too, too much because I'm probably going to write about the situation in the coming weeks. Um, spoiler alert you're for the a tease but uh yeah we got to we, we got to tease the content man um but i mean i don't think there's there's cap situations that um like uh a casual if you will would look at the fact that Dorian finney smith to sign an extension and say oh well where's jalen's extension he's out the door well no there's a lot more money on the table for jalen if he waits until the summer but there's right. also going to be a lot of teams that are going to show interest in him and then would he not only helps them now but also gives them some type of assurance insurance if they are unable to retain jalen um this summer but i also think that i mean to go to your point about that package and i was texting you during uh the, the boston game that yeah like josh green looks to be interesting and he definitely isn't afraid out there which is i mean half the battle honestly for young guys um, like he looks like he feels like he belongs, which is honestly a, a huge, huge step. Um, Dinwiddie's got a pretty checkered reputation, though, and valuation around the NBA. Um, so I don't know. If you look at the package that Harden just went for with Ben, the, the package that Brooklyn sent out to get Harden originally for what Drew Holiday went for um, with uh, um, that, that Bucks deal, the Anthony Davis trade, like I don't not to, not to besmirch Jalen Brunson, Josh Green and, J- and Spencer Dinwiddie, but I don't know if that's really getting a, a rival team super excited. If you know, I, and mean, and who is this guy we're talking about, right? Is it Bradley Beal?
2: And, and that's it's, it's both a, there's a big question. Who is it? Who's going to become, you know, who's the next disgruntled guy who's coming available. And those, that's always so hard to predict. Uh, you know, certainly that's not a, Let's say Carl Anthony Towns. Let's say the Timberwolves sink again and Carl Anthony Towns finally just like that. That package is not
3: anywhere. You know, now you're just throwing but see that see, now you're just throwing out arbitrary like at this point. Do you really think Carl Anthony Towns is going to become available anytime soon? Right. Uh, right. Yeah. No. No. Like at this point the Wolves are the Wolves are I mean, one of the hottest teams in the league at this moment. He just scored 60 points last night. Like, I mean, he seems to be pretty symbiotic with Chris Finch there. Um, I mean there's talk about what's going on in that front office long term, but I mean, they've got a pretty nice three headed monster right now with D him and Anthony Edwards and right. other pieces. like it doesn't doesn't seem to be like he's coming available anytime soon. I mean, everyone, everyone in the league was looking at Boston in December and saying, oh, this is the end of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I, I said it on a serious show and it kind of blew up and people got mad at me. And all of a sudden, Boston looks like a freaking juggernaut and the best defensive team in the league. And no one's talking about Jalen Brown being available anytime soon. So, I mean, Damian Lillard's situation in Portland. Like, people are definitely talking about the Blazers' attempts to kind of re-up this summer. And Jeremy Grant's name will be out there. And they have $60 million in space. Like, what else can they do? Um, you know, Bradley Beal, I think, is really the only name that – Teams are looking at as really a, a game-changing type guy who could become right. available in the next, you know, six to nine months, and even at that point, you know, there's a lot of a lot of indications that he's going to have you know fifty million dollars uh, of of incentive to re-sign with Washington this summer. So right, we well, still what know road is that, that going to be? To me, the Chris Perzingus move set up the Mavericks
2: to be reactive. They 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 were proactive to be at a later point reactive because, you know, a team like Boston, you know, they turned their season around midseason. It came out of nowhere. Nobody could have expected that. It happens the other way. There are situations that sour very, very quickly. But I've also wrote uh, that kind of what the Mavs set themselves up for, at least with what they have right now. And again, this does hinge on Brunson and uh, in, in their ability to resign him. They set themselves up for another Chris Depp's trade, you know, another trade of that style where you're betting on someone who has depreciated value or an injury history. You know, I, I agree. They don't really, you know, unless they are just the best available and everything lines up, they, they're not going to go get a bonafide clear star just with what they have on the roster right now. Um, yeah. Another interesting thing on Brunson is that and Finney Smith, uh, to be quite frank, is that they didn't offer extensions to either of them before before the season. You know, I've I've heard that several times throughout this year. I don't know for sure that Brunson would have accepted his. I I think Finney Smith might have. I think Finney Smith probably would have been more uh, interested in in saying yes. But, you know, to my understanding, the Mavericks saw that they were expiring contracts and and wanted to both maintain a little flexibility and, you know, also just make sure that uh, they knew what these players were going to be. And it turns out both players have had career years and Finney Smith did sign the contract. He, He maxed out. What you could extend him at uh, right after the deadline, it's possible. It's possible they could have they could have got him a, a little cheaper before the year. Uh, but but the key there is that they they didn't even offer those extensions, not not mid season or not not preseason, not before the season. So yeah. you know, I'm not I'm not even really saying that as a like oh the Mavericks clearly clearly messed up or 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 vice versa. But it is interesting just how many you know variables any front office is trying to calculate all at once and not offering those extensions did not end up meshing with what they actually did at the deadline. And, you know, but, but you don't have that foresight, you know, when, when you're, when you're making the decisions in the moment.
3: Yeah. And I mean, you know, as well as anyone, Mark Cuban has been pretty tax uh, averse throughout his tenure. Hasn't paid it since uh, 2011. And the new Dallas regime is very tax minded. from my understanding. Um what do you and, mean by tax minded? Like they are ready to pay it? No. Um that they oh, are okay aware of trying to be under that that threshold, especially for a team that's not um I mean they're not a, I mean the the Mavericks have had a, a pretty uh successful season, right? I mean Luca continues to cement himself as one of the top fifteen or twenty players, depending on how you want to frame it. Mm-hmm. Um and I think they've got you know as much of a chance to get out of the first round as anybody. But I don't think anyone, and from you know, conversations that I've had, I don't think anyone's really considering the Mavericks as like true title contenders at this juncture, right? Um, and when you're there, when you're in that in between, where you know there, there's a lot of difference. There's a big difference between being a playoff team and then being a 50 win team and then being a bona fide championship contender, and. A lot of teams make the mistake and I'm not saying this was a mistake, but you look at the Atlanta Hawks right now where they make one run to the conference finals and they pay everybody. And all of a sudden now they're mired in a middling season and, you know, people I've been making a lot of calls this week, kind of trying to get ahead of the potential front office and coaching changes that are going to be coming around the league. And no one thinks that people in Atlanta are in jeopardy by any stretch, but you know, they're starting to wonder okay well you know how long do they have now that you know if they have another situation like this um so with dallas like to to want to go into the tax for a team that's good but not necessarily great um and i'm not saying they're not great but they haven't proven to be that way consistently right now right um you know i i i think that my understanding is i think the mavericks are going to be resistant to trying to pay the tax until They feel like they really do have a a true championship contender around Luca.
2: Well, I won't make you spill any details that you weren't willing to earlier, but I can't help but connect that to you know what you were saying about Brunson not being a sure thing, because that's very clearly the way that they go into the tax if they re-sign Brunson to four for eighty, four for eighty five, four for ninety. That's what vaults them into it. But then you're also running into a situation where it's what are you um, like? like it's it's kind of like asset management and it's 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 value retention and because they are over the cap you know not not to the luxury cap level yet but because they are over the cap you know really their only path forward right now at least at least in the next year or so is going to be trades and you know whatever exceptions they have there is a scenario where they clear a lot of space and, and get cap space maybe for 2024 but I don't know man. It's it's they're they're in a they're in a very odd summer. I I feel like a lot of it may predicate on on how much postseason success they have and how much this group of players, you know, really forces their hand into being like, "Oh, we're this level, we're this far away or we're not this far away." But then the same thing like you said can happen with Atlanta where Atlanta made that conference finals run and it seemed like they were on the verge of of being clear top four seed in the conference and then, you know, look at what's happened to them this year. So a lot of calculations going on.
3: Yeah. I, I, I don't, I want to push back on it being so binary that, you know, if they just sign Jalen and then, and then and then they're in the tax, like come next deadline, if they were to do that, there's a lot of moves they could make to duck onto the tax. You know, at that you're point. right.
2: Tim Hardaway Jr. is a, is a very, I, I would think that he's very movable with his declining sal- salary scale.
3: For sure. And as much as shooters, I mean, it's interesting, Davis Bertans and Tim Hardaway are now both on the Mavericks, but think of that; those two guys and Duncan Robinson and Buddy Heels deal. Like they're all considered theoretically bad contracts, but they always are able to get moved because shooting has value. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, the number for Jalen that everyone, I mean, it's the, the Fred Van Vliet, um, Lonsville contracts that were 485 the last two years, like that's definitely the framework that's being kind of, thrown out there right now um so it would seem to make a lot of sense that that's the ballpark that i'm assuming the mavericks are prepared for his range to be and it's far i don't off the top of my head i don't know what the numbers are but that's far above the maximum that they could have um extended him in terms of a um an offer to to stick around so far it definitely is but the number
2: is earned by his play this year and the situation before the year that's, that's the big question is, is, you know, uh-huh. they did an offer. I, I don't know. I don't know whether Jalen was always going to bet on himself. He does kind of seem like that guy, but. You know, every, every just...
3: agent likes to think of their player's best case scenario. Right. right. And right. when recent contracts happen and they set a precedent in the marketplace, every agent has comps for their guy. And a lot of times those comps are bad and they make zero sense, but that's an agent's job is to get their, their, their client, the most money they can. So I'm sure even, even with, you know, his play this year being a big reason for it, I am sure that they had that number in their minds as early as, you know, the second Lonzo Ball's number. I mean, we all knew Lonzo. I mean, not we all, but a lot of people knew Lonzo's number well before, uh, August 3rd or that date was right. Like I'm sure right. that number has been in Jalen Brunson and his people's minds for a long, long time. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair.
2: Well, let's wrap up there. Um, definitely go read the, uh, the, the piece on the athletic, the, the conversation I had with Hollinger uh, that, that I think pairs nicely with uh, essentially the convo we just had to with Jake, uh, Jake, I appreciate it. I uh, am absolutely going to beat you at Katana again, and I will take away whatever resources that will make you most frustrated that is my pledge to you
3: you're gonna be the raptors to my mavericks
2: i guess so i guess so but yeah i appreciate you doing this and thanks everyone for listening we'll see you next week
1: he plays Fortnite just like me i am 34 don't fight the future honey don't fight the future the future is luke a big dick From the home of Melania Trump. How many kids you have? Don't fight the future. It tears me apart. Don't fight the future. Please be nice to Luca. Future four-time MVP. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down!